0: This episode of UK Low Carb Podcast is sponsored by Deliciously Guilt Free. Enjoy the show. My name is Dan Brief. I'm your host of the show and this is a podcast where we share individual stories to help change lives, to help inspire you, the listener, so that you can maybe make a change in your life or maybe you already have. Now some of my guests come onto this show and they have reversed or put into remission their type 2 diabetes. Some people come on the show who manage their type 1 diabetes using low carb. Other people come on who have lost lots of body fat Um, In one notable case, uh, one of my guests has lost 15 stone uh, of body fat, and that was completely by following a low-carb keto diet. So this podcast is about sharing those stories to inspire other people, and also to make them realise they're not alone, because if there's anything that I think sometimes we feel following this way of life, it's that maybe we are by ourselves. Now, this show is a little different, and the next few episodes will be a bit different as well. Because I'm going to be quite honest with you. I think when I started this podcast, the intention was I'm going to interview people, get them onto the show, and get them to share with me their story, which I love to do. And that's great. And of course, it's important. But you know what? I think after almost three years of running this podcast... I feel like I've got my own voice as well. And I'm going to be me talking today about how I do keto, about how I'm managing this year, and about some changes I've made in my life. I'm going to talk about some tips, and I think you call it hacks these days uh, for keto that I'm personally using um, that are working for me. And I want this to be a conversation. So see this as the very long uh, first part of the conversation where I'm talking, but I would like you to be part of this as well. And so I invite you now, or you know, after you have I don't know, done your cooking, put your kids to bed, finished your run, whatever you're doing right now, I would like you to go to the UK Low Carb Facebook group and just be part of the conversation there because um, I honestly want to get your feedback and thoughts. Now I kind of felt. Insecure about doing this originally, and when I must say, originally I mean like three years ago. Because who am I? You know, I am just a a person who is muddling his way through life, who's getting on with things, who's trying to raise a family, who's trying to stay healthy, who's trying to get his health back to a place where it could be even better than it is now. Um, and you know, I am carrying excess body weight, so I've always felt like a bit of a fraud. And who am I in this world to give any advice? And I thought, no, it's not about giving advice. But actually, it's more about just sharing my perspective and my reality. And that means that you are completely free to disagree with me wholesale. If you think that what I'm saying is nonsense, absolutely fine. Um, This is just my point of view and it's working for me. And I'm going to share that with you. OK, now, before I get into that, just let you know um, that this week has been a bit tough for me, really. Um, My little boy, Noah, uh, had a bit of an accident. And um, yeah, poor lad really hurt himself Um, has been a in hospital, hospital a few times And has got an operation next week From the injury he sustained um, But you know, th- this is life These things happen And when they do happen I think it's just down to us to put our priorities into helping our families, obviously, but it doesn't mean that you throw out your health. And um, there's been a big change in me. I think if something like this had happened maybe six months ago, I'd have turned to carbs. I'd have been thinking, well, this is about survival. Doesn't matter if I eat bread now. Doesn't it matter if I eat crisps, just get through it. And I've just had a bit of a shake up and thought, no, that can't happen because I'm 42 very soon. And I want to lift to 84 as a healthy man and beyond, so it's only right that I get my health sorted out. So let's get into it, how uh, I'm doing keto right now, what my plans are for 2023, how's it been going, and I've got my top five um, different topics for hacks and tips really, for things that are working for me, but also this is about the pitfalls, some of the areas that you have to be aware of, um, because I think... You can easily fall in or fall, not fall off the the wagon because I don't think it is that. But, you know, if you're choosing this as your most optimal life doing keto and low-carb, then these five areas are things to be aware of to help you stay on that track. Okay, let's start with number one, which is environment. So what do I mean by environment? Well, when I talk about environment, I've realised more and more that actually... Our environments shape so much of our daily lives and so much of how we eat food. So if you're in an environment where you are surrounded by junk food, you are much more likely to eat junk food. It's just that simple. Um, I think this goes for many things, actually. I mean, I've heard that thing, um, that expression, quote, I don't know who it comes from. Is it Jim Rohn? And he said, you are, you know, the sum of the five people you hang around with the most. That's a good example, isn't it, of how our environment affects the way we think. It affects the way that we see ourselves, see the world. And in terms of food, like I say, it really does affect the way we eat. So if you're surrounded by people, for instance, who eat carbs, that's going to be a particularly challenging thing for you maybe not to eat carbs. Whereas you're surrounded by people who are living a healthy lifestyle, that can be easier. But obviously we don't have control over those things. But we do have control over what food is in our environment. Now, last October, um, I was standing in an election here locally uh, for a political party. And um, we were buying in food for the activists when they came to our house and they were canvassing, they were leafing, whatever. We'd buy food in for them to eat. And we went through a bit of a phase of just there being rubbish food around the house. So it wasn't just us. It was people bringing food to share and, you know, somebody ordering a pizza and people sharing it. And I must admit, if if that's in my environment, I find it very hard to resist, particularly things like, you know, ultra-processed foods like Pringles and, you know, pizzas and all those things that have had, you know, these aren't homemade things, are they? I'm talking about ones that are made by companies. They are very addictive. And if it's in your environment, you're more likely to eat it. So what I realised this year and I said this to myself very clearly. I also wrote about it at DGF in one of the letters that I sent out to people. And I said, you're not a bin. You know, you, you might have food in your house that you think you need to get rid of because it's bad for you and maybe you're eating it with the expectation that one day you won't eat it because it'll have, dis- it'll have all gone because you've you've digested it and and it's gone away. Well, you're not a bin. Don't treat yourself like a bin. If it's really not food and it's ultra-processed Frankenstein nonsense, then put it in the bin, or give it away, but even then I'd say it's not good for other people. Get rid of it in some way, whatever way is best for you, but you don't need it in your environment. It it is an excuse at best, and at worst, I suppose, it's your crutch, and you can't bear to get rid of it. And that's probably why it's the best reason that it shouldn't be there. So make sure your environment is a healthy one, food-wise. But also make sure maybe it's healthy in other ways too. Is your environment healthy in terms of your lifestyle? Are you maybe, um, you know, do you have blue screens on late in the evening, meaning you're unable to sleep properly? Are there some sort of restrictions in your environment, which means that you don't exercise as much as you should? Uh, Is your environment not clean or tidy, and that's affecting your concentration or your ability to motivate yourself? You know, now this will vary for the person, And none of us is perfect. I'm not saying from on high, look at me, look, I've got it all right. No way. In fact, I'm looking around a table right now with a tissue, looks like it comes from a child's snotty nose. I'm going to get rid of that. Uh, Some toys scattered on the table. Uh, Hannah's science kit is pulled out. And yeah, just a bit of rubbish all over the place. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying make the environment the most conducive for you to be the most healthy version of yourself you can be. That brings me on to my second topic, which is habits. Now, the research around habits I find particularly interesting because I believe very strongly that we are our habits. Um, Okay, that's not the entirety of the existential question of what it is to be a human. But I think in so many ways I can see the habits in my life, the positive and the negative, But the great thing about habits is that you can learn new habits, you can make new habits, you can then make these habits your way of life and if they make them positive and if the habit is actually conducive to a healthy life, then of course that's a good thing. It's only if the habit isn't that we're in trouble. Now there's this thing called a habit loop, so there's a cue there's, which is like a trigger to an action. The track, the action is a routine that you're used to, and then you get a reward, and that's quite often hormonal, really. You know, you're getting a dopamine hit, or um, I mean, gentleman could tell you about it better than I could, but you know, you're getting some kind of hormonal reward for that cycle you're on. And I want to talk about cravings as my point number four, but that does come into this. Because we socialise ourselves, we are in the patterns of these cues setting off these routines in our heads, which means that we need to get the reward of eating the thing. And afterwards we don't really feel that great about it, but at the time we're in the loop. So we need to change the loop if we can. Now this is completely subjective. Um, I was listening to uh, Stephen Bartlett talking about his father. And when he gave up smoking, he replaced his cigarettes with lollipops because he had the cue of putting his hand down towards the packet. Now, I'm not suggesting you eat sugar, of course not. But if you have some pattern, like a cue, craving, routine, reward system going on, think what those cues are. So, for instance, for me, I was thinking about how one of my cues uh, was that if I went to a Shell garage and I smelled the smell of the pastries, I wanted to go and get one. And what happened last year was ridiculous. It started off with, I'll have one as a day off, then it turned out a few weeks later, oh, that was a Friday I did that, so I'm going to go and do it on a Friday. And then I had it the next Friday, and I had to break the routine because I thought, I'm forming a habit suddenly. Now suddenly I'm filling up petrol at a certain station uh, a petrol station because I know it's going to have the pastries I like to eat and it's a loop in my head now if you're somebody who can eat carbs and that's great I'm never preaching to anybody but if you're somebody like me who can't then you just have to realize you have to get rid of the queue it's quite easy I just go to a different petrol station it's not there anymore I don't think about the pastry uh, until tonight when I mentioned it so break the pattern by getting rid of the queue if you can get rid of the queue at the beginning then I think that's where most habits die but the habit is going to be there for a long time. So what you can do is make new habits. And I think it's really important to think, you know, new cues will make new routines and will give you a reward. So, for instance, some people talk about going to the gym and that becomes their, their cue is at the gym. They do the routine and they feel that their sense of reward. And, you know, you can see how these habits can be really positive or really negative. But get the cue right for it. Choose what cue you want and try to avoid the cues that start off the bad routine. Because I feel like once the cue is there and the craving starts, the routine reward is just us being animals, isn't it? And I'm not saying that means we have no responsibility, but it's very much tying into our chimp brains there and making us do things because we're in that cycle we're so used to. So try to avoid or change the cues in your life and I think that will definitely help with your habits. And that's what I'm doing. Number three is sleep. Now, this is something, if you listen to this podcast regularly, that you've probably heard me talking about previously, because it is something that I have been working on. Now, my sleep has been bad for a long time now. Uh, it's now 10 to 12 when I'm recording this podcast, which is a bad sign. And But I have been, I must admit, I'm not going to just um, have a go at myself here. I have been working on my sleep and it has been improving massively. I'm a migraine sufferer and I realise probably sleep is the biggest trigger, too much or too little, circadian rhythm changes are definitely a big thing that affects my migraines. So I'm aiming now to get my eight hours a night sleep, doesn't always work out like this evening but that's my goal and what I've found is is that um, I'm getting more tired in the evenings uh, around bedtime which is odd because i felt never tired before But I realised, of course, that's because I was running on adrenaline and other hormones because I'm wired when I'm overtired. Whereas now, I don't get overtired. And so I'm able to really sleep properly and have a deep sleep. And then what I noticed is I feel so much better in the daytime. And sleep from, I read that book, Why We Sleep, it was a fantastic a fantastic book. I can't remember the author's name now. Is it Matthew somebody? And I looked that up while I'm smoothly talking about it. But he was saying about how sleep is essential to so much in health. And when I sometimes read books like this, uh, Matthew Walker, there you go. When I read books like this, I sometimes think, you know, with health books, they're a little bit anecdotal, but this one isn't. It really is very scientific. And it talks about how... There's so many things about memory and the different types of sleep stages we need for our memories to function properly. We don't grow until we sleep. We don't enter into adolescence unless we slept. Um, There's all these different factors. And it also talks about the danger to our health and life expectancy by not sleeping. And that's a real, it's going to sound like a terrible pun now, that was a real wake up call for me. That is a terrible pun, I didn't even mean, mean to do it. Um, because yeah, we, we don't sleep enough in Western society and even having 15 minutes extra sleep can have a huge impact on us or having 15 minutes less sleep can have a huge impact. And that brings me on nicely to my fourth topic which I mentioned earlier on, which is cravings. Now, with cravings, I found this goes very much with sleep and when I got my sleep sorted out, the cravings improved hugely, but... A bit like habit forming, these cravings can be triggered. I'd say a craving personally, this is my view, a craving is more of a chemical response in your body. Um, I think you can do the psychology of habits and you could say that cravings are part of habit as well and part of psychology. But I'm talking about cravings from a biological response. So what I found a week ago, um, my children weren't here at the time, so Bestman and I decided let's go to a restaurant um, it's a really nice sort of local chain here in uh, Cambridge and they do, it's called Smoke Works. they do uh, ribs and chicken wings and all sorts so I ordered the ribs and I ordered the chicken wings and you know, that was it I was eating the chicken wings, they had a slight breading on them which is always a trigger for me um, and the the pork ribs are really delicious and they're a little bit sweet anyway, I was coming home and I said to Bessemer have we got any deliciously guilt-free chocolate at home? She was like, I don't know. I said, oh, I just need something or just just something creamy maybe. And like, I need some some cream with some chocolate and just want to mix up. And I came home and I found some and I grated the chocolate into some cream. I mean, our well, chocolate is keto chocolate, but but I just thought, this is weird. This is not me. If you know me well, that is not me to say I need chocolate and cream. Uh, I'm the sort of person who might say I need a pasty or, <laughs> you know, a chicken goujon or something, but but not not a sweet thing generally uh, or a creamy thing necessarily. I wouldn't crave ice cream, even if it's sugar free. But I really had this desire to eat it. And it was only the next day that I was like, what was that? And I suddenly thought, I think it was the sugar, which I assume was in the coating on the ribs and the breading on the chicken. And it just set off a craving in me. So. Not only do we have these habit cravings which are psychological, but could be really aware of chemical cravings. And if, if I'm eating things like those ribs, I can't eat them, because it created something in me that wasn't very pleasant. Um, it created a craving, and it's my brain's response to the chemicals that I'm giving it, because it's like a drug, isn't it? Sugar is a drug. Uh, let's be honest. So my brain's reacting accordingly. And um, that brings me on to my last of my five points, and that is social interaction. Right, this one is a tricky one. What I mean by that is, we know people and our friends and families and our circles that we um, you know, are friendly with people. We know of people through food. So for instance, friends and family, you're very likely to have had meals with them at some point. Or you're very likely to cook with them, um, cook for them. They cook for you. You go to social places like parties or restaurants, cinemas, and all these different interactions you have. Food, let's be honest, has a really big part in the interaction we have with other people. Well, this is the thing that I've kind of learned is that I'm doing this for my health. I'm doing this for me, and. Keto and low-carb is not a fad. It's not some kind of um, temporary state that I'm in for January. Um, It's something that I want to live for the rest of my life. So if I said to somebody, I have a faith in, in a deity, a religious doctrine, I think people would respect that and not say, oh, you're doing that, are you, for February, are you? You're a Christian for February, you're a Buddhist for March. I think people would just say, oh, okay, that's what you do. And they would respect that you would follow certain rules around that religion. Like, you know, you wouldn't serve somebody who's Muslim pork, for instance. You would just know that that wouldn't be appropriate. And equally, you yourself, if you are Muslim, would would understand that it's okay to say, I don't eat that. Well, I think that's the way I have to be in my social interactions as well. So when people are offering me things, and I used to do this and I don't now. When people are offering me foods that they've cooked and they're really carby, but they say, you know, I've made this for you, I'm really sorry, I'm just going to have to be polite and really full of love for that person and respect for them, but decline the invitation to have the food. And I've done that a few times uh, in January, it wasn't pleasant, but then, to be honest, they moved on, I moved on, it wasn't as bad as I thought it would be. But I just can't let that barrier down. I just can't. Maybe you can, but for me, it's not going to happen. If I do, then the cravings will come back. If I mean, for, actually, I am going to give you an example of this. So the other day it was a, a family occasion, and they'd made um, it's like burgle wheat. It's like a, a like a dish which is basically like a grain um, that they've done in the oven or something. And I said, "Oh no, no, thank you." And I was told, "No, but this is low lower carb." but they said low carb. I said, well, it may be lower carb than something like rice. I don't know. It might have a bit more protein in it. I don't know again, because they, they thought it might do. Um, but I'm just not going to eat it, thank you. And I didn't eat it. Now, the next day, I was in uh, Adambrook's Hospital uh, with Noah, um, and I went to Marks & Spencer's to go and get some um, you know food for him and for Besma. And while I was there, the back of Marks & Spencer's, there's this big bread counter with bagels and pretzels and freshly baked loaves and you know that lovely smell of bread well I was standing there looking around and I noticed this it was kind of just next to me actually and this waft of of bread and I just thought wow my my cravings have really died I'd have really wanted this before but now I don't and I know it's a nice smell but I just don't want to eat it Uh, brilliant you know this is this is liberating this is liberation i don't have to eat that stuff and i don't crave eating it brilliant because i've had now like 20 days of just over actually of just really cutting out that stuff apart from the slip up with the ribs now i believe if i'd had that meal the night before with the burk or wheat or whatever it's called I don't know, but I think I know my patterns well enough to think that would have been the cue for my brain to think, here we go, we're now going to start eating. And so, you know, that moment of feeling maybe socially awkward to say, no, thank you, could mean you're not starting a pattern that's going to result in you in a few days time, completely eating carbs and back on the carb train. So I think these social interactions are important to get right. And I think it's okay to have those conversations and say, oh no, I don't eat that because, or no thank you because, because you know what, I'm in charge of what goes in my mouth, I'm in charge of my body. And how offended is somebody really? I mean, if they know you well enough, then hopefully they should know what you eat. Um, if they're your friend or your loved one, hopefully they should know because you've told them and they know you well enough to know what you're eating. But I also think they reflect us and the more that we are kind of, how should I say this the more that we stand up for what we believe in and what we are eating and the way we're eating the better it will be because they will reflect that back and realize oh he doesn't or she doesn't eat xyz that's fine or they they would rather not have this dish they prefer having this dish and I think that's just the way to be and um yeah I think it it's it can be more challenging for some than others but I think it's important if you're someone like me who probably has an addiction to carbs especially flour then it's best just to avoid it and if that means saying to somebody no thank you I can't eat that then that's fine I think it's okay to say that in the most respectful way you can so there you go guys that's my five different um hacks areas that I've been working on environment habits sleep cravings and social interaction um what do you think I'd like you to come and share your views. Like I say, it is a conversation. So head over to UK Low Carb uh, Facebook group. Um, If you're not a member of that group already, then I can let you in. And I'll put a post up and just see what you think. I'd love to hear your opinion. Um, And if you fancy low carb cakes, cookies or chocolate uh, or our keto wraps that we do now, um, I run a keto bakery called Deliciously Guilt Free. Um, and it's it's got a wonderful community Facebook page as well, but you can go to the website, deliciouslyguiltfree.com, and we've got wraps, we've got loads of different types of cookies with jam in and stuff, and if that's something that works for you, now talking about cravings, some people, they can't even have stuff with sweetener in, respect that completely, but if it works for you, you just want to literally take out the carbs but still enjoy something sweet, then that's where Deliciously Guilt Free is there to help you, because you know what I feel like, it's a solution for anyone in that situation who just needs something uh, without compromising on sugar, but they want that bit of sweetness. So there you go, guys. That is uh, my podcast today. I'm going to do another solo show next week, talking more about this and how I'm getting on with some stories as well uh, of my weeks and what I'm doing. But uh, join the conversation, please, UK Low Carb Facebook group. And for now, have a most marvellous end of um, the week and enjoyable weekend. Take care, guys.